Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Getting baptized in water does not save you. It doesn't. What about if I raise my hand at the, at the end of a service saying I want to receive the Lord? Hey, listen, um, the, outward, the raising of the hand is not what saves you. The standing up is not what saves you. It's your surrender to Jesus is what saves you. It's the receiving of the free gift of salvation is what saves you. It's allowing Jesus to be king of your heart, Lord and master. That's what saves you. It's his free gift. Some people think that just because they've been sprinkled with water that they've been saved. However, in today's message from Pastor James, he shares with you that it's not necessarily true. It's all a matter of the heart. No outward action can make you right with the Lord. It's the internal surrender to Jesus and receiving Him as your personal Lord and Savior that secures your relationship with God. Christ alone is what saves you. Salvation is found in the surrender to Jesus. So receive Him today. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 8 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So Philip comes on the scene and he's just proclaiming Jesus and he's healing people that were crippled or healing people that were paralyzed or these demon-possessed individuals who were bound up by whatever, they were being set free because of the gospel and because Philip is a Holy Spirit-empowered man. Now all attention is onto, onto the message. But people are getting saved. And not only getting saved, but I mean... The blind are seeing, so to speak, spiritually. Verse 13, it had an impact on Simon. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he believed and was baptized. He continued with Philip. So he believed, he was baptized, and he became a disciple or a student of Philip. This is going to cause confusion in a little bit, okay? In seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. The one who spent his life amazing others was now amazed at what God was doing through this man named Philip. Verse 14, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, if you don't remember, let me just share the story with you. Back in Luke chapter 10, okay, there was two stories about Samaria in that chapter. The first one dealt with James and John, aka sons of thunder, right? Jesus is going through Samaria. He's got to go to Jerusalem. And the people of Samaria were mad at Jesus because he was going to Jerusalem. And they, they weren't probably the most, you know, hospitable as they should have been. And so James and John are like, Lord, you want, you want us to pray, call down fire from heaven to destroy these people? And Jesus is like, no, no, no guys, no, 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 no. We, we gotta, we're going to Jerusalem, okay? Like, no, what are, you, what are you doing? No, we're not calling down fire from heaven to destroy people who don't want to receive our message at this moment at this moment. Because had they been able to call down fire, maybe this is the very city that, they, that Philip went to. We don't know, okay? That was one story. And then Jesus, a little bit later in that same chapter, uses an illustration about, this, about a good Samaritan. Because the, guy, the guy's asking Jesus, he's like, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus is like, well, let me tell you a story. And uh, he uses this, this story about the good Samaritan. Uh, so those were kind of like some of the last things left with the disciples before Jesus you know, he makes his journey to Jerusalem and is crucified. 
So now these disciples who are now apostles are sitting in Jerusalem and word gets back to them. Oh, people are getting saved in Samaria. Remember what Jesus said? And they wouldn't say this back in John chapter four. Uh, remember the woman at the well and how Jesus said, hey, we need to be praying for the, for the Lord to send the laborers. Well, Philip is a laborer and the harvest is here. It's happening. These guys pack their bags and head down to Samaria. In an instant is, is kind of the, the wordage that's used there. I mean, they were like, they're receiving the gospel? Sweet, let's go. Let's go. And so they go. Here's Peter and John. It says, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent to them Peter and John, the two like hen guys, so to speak, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, this can cause some issues too. They're like, why didn't the Holy Spirit fall on them the moment they got saved? Because isn't that how it works? Yeah, sometimes. But why did, why did God delay on this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Why are you asking me? Because um, you're the guy standing there talking. Listen, I've done my homework. I've done my research. And, and I would agree with most of the guys. Is like, there could be many reasons. Maybe God was using this as like an... an as a teaching moment for them. These guys received the Lord. They got baptized. They got water baptized and all that stuff. But the Holy Spirit hadn't yet, they, he, they had, he hadn't fallen on them yet. So why? Maybe God was holding that off until this moment. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It doesn't mean that they weren't saved beforehand. There is some thoughts about that. They're like, well, they didn't really get saved when, when Philip preached the gospel. I don't believe that at all. I think these guys truly got saved. So maybe this is just God saying, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that. Peter and John, you guys go down there because I'm going to teach these guys a lesson because there's a guy down there who really needs to be exposed. So let me do this in my timing. Now, remember, the church belongs to the Lord. And how he does things, when he does things, is totally up to him. And you and I have no other option than to be okay with that. All right? You just got to be okay with it. And I know that's hard. I know that's easier said than done. But it is the best answer. Just be okay with it. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. And I'm speaking to myself as I'm communicating to you, okay? Because I wrestle with the same thing. God, why not now? Why aren't you doing this right now? Why haven't you answered this prayer right now? Now, Lord, now. I need it now. I need it now. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. I'll get to that in a second. I'm not worried about that. Why aren't you worried about it? Why are you worried about it? Because I worry. Because we worry right? The, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on these guys. And, and notice what happens, the, the timing of this, verse 17. When they laid their hands on them, this is, this is Peter and John, laying their hands on them, says they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Seems innocent, seems good, but his motives are wrong. His motives are wrong. And had Peter not been there, maybe somebody would have allowed this to happen. But Peter's not putting up with any nonsense. I love this. You see this transformation in, in Peter's life. He's already like the boldest one of the group, but he's, he's the one who's like, listen, man, I've already seen two, I've seen a married couple get killed in church. He's like, listen, I'm not putting up with any of this nonsense, right? He's like, no. He's like, no. When he heard this, you need to understand what happened in Peter's heart. Give me this power. The Simon guy goes on to say, we'll, we'll look at Peter in one second. He says, give me this power also so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the spirit. Peter says to him, 
may your silver perish with you. There's another translation of this verse, and it's more closer to the Greek. And this might sound offensive to you, um, but this is literally what he's saying. This isn't meant to be offensive, but he says, to hell with you and your money. Like, that's literally what he's saying. I, so in case that doesn't communicate emotion for you, you got to understand when somebody says like, when Peter, who is the apostle, he's like, no, you know, not like where, he's not saying in a beating this guy down, right? he's saying life direction wise, he's like, where you're headed, you can take your money with you. Now that's a big thing. Because that causes confusion. Because we just read that this guy, he, it says he, he believed in the message that was spoke, and he was baptized, and he's even following Philip around. And then Peter shows up, and he's like, dude, he's like, you know where you and your money can go? Where you're already headed. That's kind of major. Like if you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine being in that church service. It's intense. That's crazy. Why would Peter say that? Why would he, why would he be so hostile towards this guy? Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was not willing to allow anything to come in and corrupt the church. Nothing. The married couple who says they, they, they sold a portion of land, but they held back some, but they, they claimed to have given all. Peter's like, you didn't have to give any of the money. Why did you lie to him? Why did you lie about it? That's on you. You didn't have to give any of the money. And, and they, they dropped dead literally right there. And now Peter's showing up and they're laying hands on these people and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And we don't know what was happening, what outward sign, if it was tongues or what. We have no idea, but this is going on. And this guy, Simon, is just like all worked up. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. He's like pulling out his wallet. He's like, how much? How much? Name your price. Name your price. Wait, you're gonna monetize God? You're trying to monetize, you're trying to get rich off of God. That's what you're trying to do. You don't care about the people. You don't care about the laying hands on of, of any individual. You don't care about the Holy Spirit. You don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. You're trying to monetize God. You're trying to get rich off of God. You know where you can go with that. I think maybe the church should be saying this a little bit more frequently in our day and age. Oh, you're trying to make money off of God. Oh, fascinating. Interesting. You don't care. Do you care about the people? And you can fill in whoever's name, whatever. I don't know. Let people, I, listen, I'm going to say this right now. I love books. Write good books. Write really good books. And I would hope and pray like some of my heroes that write good books, that they're not out to, to make a dime off of God. None of those guys are, the ones that I'm reading. But I'm going to tell you this, there are Christian bookstores that are filled with other books, and I would question their motives. I would question their motives. Are you trying to make, what, are you trying to get rich off of God? Like, what, why? What, what, why do we need this? Why, why do we need this? Is this helping anybody in their walk with Jesus? Is this promoting growth, spiritual growth in anybody's life with Jesus? If it's not, then why do we need it? Well, I got to, I got to, you got to what? You got to what? I, I get fired up about that stuff because to me, it's like, this is nonsense. It's nonsense. That's what this guy's doing. I hope we, to bring it into a modern kind of vernacular, that's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out my cash or my, my credit cards or whatever. Tell me whatever it is that I got to pay because I want to buy that gift from God. For what? Because you're not being paid attention to anymore? Because I think that was part of the problem. Nobody's paying attention to Simon anymore. He once had this whole city in the palm of his hand. Now he has no more followers. He's lost all his followers. And he thinks, he's got this idea. Well, if I had that gift, man, can you imagine? I mean, I did all these tricks before. 
I deceived people before, but if I had this gift, if I had that ability and I could just lay hands on people and they would receive the Holy Spirit, can you imagine how much money I could get from that? Can you imagine the fame and the notoriety I could get from that? I mean, I could travel all around the world laying my hands on people and watching the Spirit of God move and I would get wealthy, wealthy. That's his motive. And his heart has been exposed. His mouth exposed what was going on inside of his heart. Isn't it funny how words do that? Our words will oftentimes communicate what's going on inside of our hearts. We had a men's Bible study yesterday. We were talking about Ephesians chapter 4. It says, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. Why? Because it's destructive. Not just on your hearers, but it also, it's destructive for you. And the, the other indication to that too is it also reveals what's happening inside your heart. What's happening inside your heart. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Careful how you say it. Here's Simon. He's just like, he's fired up. He's like, man, sell it to me. What you got? And Peter's like, dude, you and your money can just perish, perish. He says, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Are you, are you serious? Are you kidding me? He says, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. So what did he believe in? I don't know. What did he get baptized for? Was it just a show? Maybe. Is this guy truly a follower of Christ? I don't know. I don't know. Church history would tell us that this guy kind of went off the deep end after this story. There's a lot of theories about Simon and what happened to him. One of the uh, most popular theories is that, is that he went south, so to speak, spiritually, and that he even maybe have started the whole thing of Gnosticism. He became an enemy of God, became an enemy of the church, became an enemy of truth. That's the predominant theory within church history. So is this guy a follower? Well, if church history is right, then I'm going to say no. No, I'm going to say no. But I don't know, man. Peter just calls this guy out and says, listen, your heart's not right. Your heart's not right. But, but, but I, I said what I was supposed to say. I physically, outwardly walk through the same things that everybody else walks through. Doesn't that make me a Christian? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm sorry to tell you, but it doesn't. Getting baptized in water does not save you. It doesn't. What about if I raise my hand after, at the end of a service saying I want to receive the Lord? Hey, listen, um, the, outward, the raising of the hand is not what saves you. The standing up is not what saves you. It's your surrender to Jesus is what saves you. It's the receiving of the free gift of salvation is what saves you. It's allowing Jesus to be king of your heart, Lord and master. That's what saves you. It's his free gift. It's not the outward stuff. It's not, I don't know what this guy did, but Peter calls him out and says, listen, your heart's not right. Your heart's not right. Why would Peter say this? Why? Because the same thing was said to Peter. Do you guys remember the story? Jesus, the night before he's betrayed, he's washing their feet and he comes up to Peter. And Peter's like, Lord, don't, no, you're not gonna wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I cleanse you, you have no part with me. Same words that Peter uses to Simon. Same exact words that Peter uses to Simon. He says, you have no part with Jesus. Really, I think, exposing the true character of this guy. That's a hard thing to swallow, right? That's a hard, that's a hard, that's, that really is difficult. I mean, if you're, if you're watching through this, but praise God, praise God that he cares about his church and he cares about his people. Because who knows if this guy was able to, if this guy wasn't for reals about Jesus and he, if he was allowed to creep into the church and was given a position, that's what he wanted. He wanted a position within the church. Who knows what would have happened to the church had he been allowed to come in 
maybe as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Thank you, Jesus, that you watch out over your people. Peter tells him, here you go. Here's the last part of this. Um, there's, there's a way out. There's a way out. Even for a guy like Simon, let's say he is totally off. Let's say he's not a believer at all. There is still hope for him. Verse 22, repent, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, that bile, that fluid that's you know, within your, what, your liver there. You are the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. So in one sense, he kind of passes the buck. Peter gives him an out. Peter gives him an out. He's like, listen, Simon, your heart's not right. Your heart's not right. It's not right. In fact, I can see inside of you bitterness, bitterness. You're consumed with bitterness. Why were you consumed with bitterness? We know why. Read the first part of the chapter. He lost his celebrity status, and it made him bitter. Towards who? Towards Philip, towards God. And Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, calls him out on it and says, dude, you are full of bitterness. You're full of bitterness. But here's the good news. Repent. Repent. Turn away from that and turn to Jesus. Turn away from it and turn to Jesus. It's not over. The story's not over. It doesn't have to end here. It doesn't have to end like this. And his response to this is, well, why don't you just pray for me? No, no. You pray. You repent. You turn to Jesus. I'm going to tell you this right now. Myself, anybody else who stands behind this wooden pulpit or any other pulpit on any other platform that's a pastor or preacher, they cannot and nor will they ever be able to repent for you. Can't do it. You can't. I can't save you. I can't receive Jesus for you. I can't receive Jesus for your, for your loved ones or for your family members. That's the beauty of Christianity in a certain extent. It is a relationship. And if God shows up in your life and says, hey, listen, you're going down the wrong path. You need to turn to me. You have to be the one who says, okay, I am sorry. I apologize for sinning against you. And I'm going to turn away from that. And I'm going to actively pursue you because that's what repentance is. It's not static. It's active. And you have to do that. You personally have to do that. You can pray for repentance and you can repent on behalf of a nation. We saw Daniel do that. He repented to God. He said, Lord, as a nation, we have sinned against you. Those prayers are fine. You can pray those prayers, but to the individual, you have to do it. Simon's like, well, why don't you just pray for me? No, because that doesn't work. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, you need to. And from what we understand, Simon walked away from that story having never repented having never done the most simplest thing that's there. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all it is. That's all it is. Repentance, is, it, it's a huge deal, but it's, it's something that we can and should do often. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm consumed. I've been wrestling with that this whole week. This whole week. I've been repenting this whole week or trying to, the Lord's been working it in me. But all throughout this week, I'm like, Lord, I'm just fixed on myself. I'm so sorry. I'm so focused on me. I'm sorry. Help me to turn from myself and focus on you. Repeatedly this week, I'm praying that prayer. I'm praying that prayer. You're like, you're a pastor. You should have this thing down. I'm a pastor, and I don't have this thing down. I'm going to tell you right now, okay? 
I hate to, I hate to, you know, burst your bubble or whatever. If you put me on a pedestal, please, please destroy that pedestal because I don't belong on it. I don't. There's one who does, and his name is Jesus, all right? And the amazing thing is that he will use a knucklehead like this guy to stand up here and proclaim his word. That's it. And even this knucklehead goes through days where he's like, God, I'm so sorry. Man, I'm just, I can't get my eyes off myself. I can't stop thinking about me and my problems and my stuff. I can't stop thinking about me. And he says, I know, I know. Let me hold your hand. Let me put my arm around you. Let me walk through this valley with you so that I can get you through it onto the other side. Repentance is a beautiful thing. I, that is one thing that I'm so thankful to the Lord that I, man, when I got saved, I didn't have an issue with it. I, I don't know why, but I didn't have an issue with it because I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was messed up. and I knew I was doing all sorts of bad stuff. I knew that. I had no problem with that. Like, I'd all own up to it. Like, I got no problems being honest. And I mean, maybe you hear that coming out of my message, and that's cool. But I have no problem with being transparent, none at all because I know I'm messed up. I get it. And, and for whatever reason, repentance has always been one of those things where the Lord, from the very beginning, said, listen, you just keep coming to me. Just keep coming back to me. I said, okay. With anything? Yeah, with anything. Okay. Because I got a lot of stuff. He's like, I know about all this stuff. I died for all this stuff. Just keep coming back to me. Just keep, just keep owning up to it. Just keep owning it, and let's deal with it. Okay. All right. Then I'll, I'll just keep doing that. And I have been still doing that. Um, I would like to think 20 years into this thing, it's, it's less and less. I'm, what I'm learning is more and more. Um, I'm like, I thought when I first got saved, I'm like, oh, God, I got so much stuff I need to confess to you and repent of and all this stuff. And, but when I get older in the Lord, that'll become less and less. And in fact, it's like more and more is what I'm learning. It's like, oh, God, I didn't even know this was here. I didn't even know this was a part of my life. Like, get rid of this. Take this, please. But repentance is a beautiful thing. It's a relationship thing. It is an absolute relationship thing, and I would encourage you, always, always go to God and say, you know what, Lord, I messed up. I messed up, and I don't, I don't want to take sin lightly, but I do a lot of it, and uh, can you please forgive me, and will you help me to turn away and to follow after you? That's all. This is the last we see of Simon. He's gone. He's gone. Verse 25, now when they had testified, this is the apostles, probably along with Philip, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem. Philip's obviously going to stay back, but the, John and Peter are going to head back to Jerusalem. And all throughout the, the way back to Jerusalem, they're what? They're preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. I love it. On the way to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel because the good news is spreading. And you have this massive revival, huge evangelism thing going on, crowds, people getting saved and all that stuff. And Philip, I, who knows what this guy's thinking, but man, he's, you know, he's probably riding pretty high right now because he's like, man, I just pro proclaiming the gospel and the whole village is getting saved and all this stuff. And God's like, yeah, that's cool. But will you do it with just one person? Will you do it with just one person? I mean, it's, you, you got a crowd and anybody can speak in front of a crowd. I mean, I understand there's it's like one of the top three fears or whatever, but he's like, people love crowds. Pastors love crowds. But will you do it for one? Will you do it for one? And that's what God does with Philip. He's like, I'm going to take you out of this revival, and I'm just going to hook you up with one guy, just with one guy, because the one is as equal as the crowd. They're one and the same. Whether it's a church of however many of you are there, there are here, or four years ago, there were six of us sitting in Billy's office. My family made up one-third of that group. Just saying, okay? And that's not even counting my four kids, okay? So there you go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's one or a whole village. It does not matter. The message is what matters. The gospel, Jesus, that's what matters. Hope to the hopeless hope.
That's all we have time for today at Bread for the Broken, but we're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James continues through the book of Acts. This book is a powerful representation of how the church first began. It contains a variety of snapshots into effective ways of sharing the gospel. Some apostles shared in large groups, while others taught in more intimate settings. Some taught the gospel through words, and others shared through signs and wonders. Do you wrestle with sharing who Jesus is? Be encouraged. As long as you're teaching the hope and truth of Jesus, there is no wrong way. If you'd like prayer in this area, we would love to pray for you. Visit breadforthebroken.com, click on the contact tab, and let us know how we can be praying. If you'd like to listen to more teachings like this, you can find them too when you visit breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the teachings tab. You'll also be able to learn more about Calvary Galveston at our website, as well as find directions to our location. Calvary Galveston is a church of ordinary people seeking to live as Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to meet you. Our atmosphere is relaxed, so just come as you are. You can find out more and get directions on our website. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for listening to Pastor James's teaching today. Know that we're praying for you, and we hope you'll join us to continue digging into the book of Acts next time on Bread for the Broken.